Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. It will just stir our faith and that we'll begin to give with an expectation for God to move on our behalf. But I just want you to know that when we talk about the provision of God, when we talk about the increase of God and just God moving in our life, this is not just from the standpoint of God's provision in a monetary standpoint. I'm talking about the elements of every aspect of our life. And just to kind of give you an example of that, this past week I was... Uh, for whatever reason, I was uh, cruising through Facebook and I saw a little video of a particular minister. <coughs> and his name's Todd White. And uh, I don't know what caused me to to tie into or, or listen or watch this little video. It was, uh, I think it was only about 10 minutes long. But as I began to watch this man and this this gentleman, he's he's the unconventional minister. He's a short little guy. And has dreadlocks almost as long as he is. I mean, he's just kind of a real different looking fella. But he's a real powerful minister. And he knows God. <coughs> In fact, I think he graduated from the same Bible college that I did. But he was sharing this, this story of, of just him going to school. And ministering into the church. Or excuse me, into the lives of the students at the high school. And he said there's been all this fanfare of some things that have been taking place within this school. Because number one, they introduced a curriculum in the school that was intelligent design. And so obviously if you introduce a curriculum concerning intelligent design, it uh, obviously says that there's a creator. And so that just really raised a lot of attention in the media because here we have a school that's teaching basically creation. And so what they ended up doing was changing out the course and they called it an apologetic course of religions. And so what they would do, this was actually an hour class within the school curriculum. And what they would do is they would invite different religions in and therefore it was a debate time to where the students could ask questions and basically argue the points of whoever they were having in. And so they would have Muslims, Buddhists, atheists or whoever the case might be and they would have them come in and just share their faith and the students could again have discussion with them and therefore the school thought well they'll have a well-rounded education and they can have their ability to make their own decision as to what kind of faith they want to have if they want to have any and so this Todd White he was invited to go and speak and so he was representing a Christian point of view and so as he went in there, he said, you know, I've purposed in my heart that I'm not going to argue any point concerning God. Because anytime you argue, argue somebody's going to be wrong. And typically it's both people wrong. And therefore, if you're trying to argue a point, you really don't get anywhere. And he said, I just refuse to argue a point for God because God is good and God is real. And so therefore, not going to do it. So he goes into the class. And so he says, the student body see him coming in. And he typically wears like one of those big flowery flamboyant uh, Hawaiian shirts and so he walks into the class his dreadlocks and he says the the, the eyes and all the students are like whoa look at this dude this guy's kind of out there and so the instructor got up and he said this is uh, Todd White he's a Christian and he's going to argue the point of Christianity and so is there anybody that would have questions that they would like to ask ask Mr. Uh, White and so he said hands went up all over the room and he said he picked on this girl over here on this side and he he said, before you ask your question, he says, can I ask you a question first? 
And she says, okay. And he says, you have applied to such and such a college and you've gotten accepted. And he said, and then this also happened. And he said, and furthermore, he says, you've got this problem that's going on in your body. And he said, if you will, he said, I'm going to pray. Or if you'll allow me, he said, I'm going to pray for you and God's going to heal you right now. And so by the spirit of God, he knew exactly verbatim and the name of the college that she was going to. And then he prayed for her. And right there in that moment, God came down and touched her body and healed her and just got all over her. And he said, in that moment, he said, every hand in the room went down like, (laughs) whoa. And he said, he just began to share, that's the God that I serve, that he's real. And then he talked about this one young man that got up and started to leave the class. And as he began to leave the class, he said, this guy was that jock kind of guy. He was the athlete, the one that was well-respected. And he, could, he said, I could just see it on him. He says, but you know what? He said, I came here with an, a purpose to share God and prove the reality of who God was. And so he said, this football player came walking by and he says, hey, before you go, he says, can I pray for you? He said, he said uh, your shoulder uh, is, has been hurt and therefore you haven't been able to throw the football since then. He says, I'm going to pray for you. And he said, uh, or he says, is that right? And he says, the guy told him, he says, well, no. And he says, you know, I'm not trying to be mean. He says, but he told him, he says, you're lying. He says, I know what God showed me. And he said, I'm going to pray for you right now. And he said, he began to pray for him. And he said, all of a sudden, the guy goes, holy, and almost cursed. But he says, whoa. And God healed him right on the spot. And so all of a sudden, he's got the attention of these students. And one by one, he began to minister to these kids. And God just began to show up. He even began to minister to the teacher that was in the class, or actually I think he was the vice principal. And he said this became a class, or it was a class that was debate Christianity, debate religions. And he said when the class bell rang, he said the entire student body stayed in their seat. He said they didn't want to go to lunch. And he said the teacher said to him, says, you're going to have to go to lunch. He says, you can come back if you want to. He says, but listen, he says, you know, you, you, you've got to go. He says, there's another class that's coming in right behind you. And he said, reluctantly, they finally got up. He said, but as they were leaving and the next class was coming in, the class was saying, you don't know what you're in for. He's going to mess you up. <laughs> and so as a result, he said he was invited back to continue to interact with the students. And he just talked about the reality of God. Why do I share that with you? Because when we talk about the provision, the hand of God moving in our life, I'm not just talking about just money. I'm not just talking about having peace of mind. I'm talking about God wants to get involved in our life to where God becomes real in our life. That again, everything about our life becomes excessive as we were talking about. That God just begins to show off in our life. And we have the ability to minister and reach people. Amen. That's God's heart. He, I saw another one. He was on an airplane. Todd White again. He's sitting there in the air, in, in the airplane. He said there was a guy that was sitting next to him. And he said, as he's talking to the guy, he says, you know, he introduces himself. And he says the guy was kind of a business-looking fella. And he said he put his earbuds in and just kind of turned towards the window like, I don't want to talk to you. And he thought, well, you know, uh, we're on this plane for a few hours. And he says, I'm sitting next to you and you're the only one. He said, so you, you're going to be talking to me. And so he starts talking with this guy. And then he said the, the stewardess came by. And everything about him is to say, God wants to be real, and he wants you to express the reality of who he was. 
And so he says he began to speak to the stewardess and began to talk to her. And God gave him a word for her. And he began to talk to her. And right there on the spot, he prayed for her. God touched her body, healed her. She knelt down into the aisle, weeping. This is on a commercial airline. Weeping on her knees and gave her heart to the Lord. Right there on an airplane. She gets up and goes and tells the people in the front of the plane, the other workers, what, he, what had just took place to this man that, was, that had prayed for her. She came back and says, the other stewardess wants you to come up here and they want you to pray for them as well. And so he did. And God just began to move in the airplane. So he went and sat back down next to this businessman. And this businessman had a nephew that was a Christian. And he, he texted his nephew and said, there is this Christian guy sitting next to me and these wild things are happening on the airplane. And the craziest thing about it is he's got these dreadlocks. And his nephew texted him back and said, his name wouldn't be Todd White, would it? And so he leaned over and says, your name isn't Todd White, is it? And he says, yes, it is. And so all of a sudden, it opened up another dialogue. And he says, can I get a selfie with you? And he takes a picture of the guy that he didn't want to talk to in the first place. What am I talking about? I'm simply saying God wants to reveal himself, to pour out himself in our lives, in every element, every area, so that we show off the excessiveness of God. Amen? And he wants to use you. So again, you're here tonight. So don't just sit there and think, oh, dear God, well, I don't, you know, I'm here, but I'm, man, who else isn't here? No, God's here because you're here. And he's going to minister to you and help you begin to see some things tonight of the goodness of God. Amen? So that we can have a greater expectation. So as we've been talking about this in the past few weeks concerning just the provision in the hand of God to increase us, to bless us, We've said a couple different things, and for the sake of not reiterating and, and not being redundant in what we said, but the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So I want to share a couple things that we've talked about in the past simply to share God's Word so that it begins to stir faith. We said this in Psalm chapter 35, verse 27. It says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yes, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. It pleases God to prosper us, to increase us. Amen. It delights God's heart. We also said this, that concerning being rich, God says that being rich is to have a full supply to be abundantly provided for. We see over in the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me or test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. So God says, if you ever was to put me to the test, he says, I want you to test me in this, to take care of you, to increase you, to provide for you. I want you to test me in this. And it says, I will test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room... Everybody say, not enough room. That there will not be room enough to receive it. So in other words, God's saying, when I start pouring, it's going to be too much. Amen. That's God's heart. When you say, God, I just want to know you more. God says, all right, I'm going to pour it out and it's going to be too much. Come on, have you ever been there in that kind of place? I've been in that position before where I've been worshiping God or in a service or whatever it may be, maybe in my old prayer time, and God's presence fills the place so strong that I say, God, it's too much, it's too much. Oh, take your hand off because it's just too much right now. God wants to reveal himself in a greater way. 
In Leviticus chapter 26, well, let me say it this way. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, the Bible talks about the curse of the law. But Deuteronomy chapter 26 is a precursor to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And this is what it says in Leviticus chapter 26, starting in verse 3. It says, If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield, yield their fruits. Your threshing shall last, or it shall reach, till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last in the time of sowing. Then it goes on to say in verse 9, it says, For I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful, multiply, multiply you, and confirm my covenant with you. So God says, if your purpose to walk in my statutes, be obedient to what I've said to do, that there is a righteous system of doing things, I will pour out for you, bless you, increase you, and multiply you. And aren't you glad that God says he's going to multiply? He didn't say he was going to add to you. He said he was going to multiply you. Amen. So it's kind of the difference of this. You know, you have a child that's adding. But if all of a sudden you found out that you had triplets, that's multiplication. How do you respond? You respond differently, don't you? Well, maybe you and I would. We got one. Praise the Lord. Yes, we knew it was coming. But then they say, well, you know what? There's three heartbeats in there. (laughs) Stop my heart for a moment. Why? Because of the multiplication. But that's the way God says. He says, I'm looking to multiply you. And God said it this way, that his heart is to multiply you to confirm his covenant or his promise with you. So God says, the way that I bless you, or I should say, the way that I confirm or affirm what I've said to you is that it shows up in multiplication. So that means that God wants to multiply our provision. He wants to multiply the fruit of our home, of our families, of our marriage, of our church. God says that that's his desire. But he says, now, if you'll do your part, I'll do mine. Right? Amen. So we also said this concerning that it says that your threshing shall reach Poverty is when it doesn't reach, when it doesn't last. And so God isn't looking for us to be in that particular aspect of life. God desires for us to have enough in every season, in every aspect of our life. In Genesis chapter 26, and once again, I'm just sharing and expressing the heart of God as to how he wants to provide for us. And again, this isn't just monetarily, but in every area. In Genesis chapter 26, verse 1 The Bible tells us that there was a famine in the land. So if there's a famine in the land, that means that there's a drought. There's not been rain. And whenever there's been or there's not been rain, obviously the fields don't grow. The harvest don't come in. That affects your livelihood. It affects your ability to sustain yourself. But the Bible tells us in Genesis 26 and verse 12, it says, Isaac being led by the Lord, Isaac sowed in that year. He sowed in the season and the year of famine. Now, let me ask you this. Does it ever make sense to sow or to plant a field if it's during famine time? It doesn't, does it? It makes absolutely no common sense. There's not been rain. The ground's dry. I'm going to just throw the seed away, and it's going to cost me rather than producing for me. But God said, 
go sow or go plant. When it comes to us trusting God in the area of finances, many times it requires us to be obedient. Well, I shouldn't say many times. It does require us to be obedient in the area of our finances. And there are many times of our life where it doesn't seem convenient to give or to sow or even tithe for that matter. God, it's not a good time. There's been some famine going on in my life. There's some things that really need my attention. And right now, it's not a good time to give. It's really not a good time to even tithe right now, God, because it is a season of famine. But the Bible says that Isaac sowed in the season or the year of famine and produced a harvest that caused the the Palestines to be uh, uh, envious. And it actually says that the king, he outshined the king as a result of the increase that was produced through a sowing. So even in the midst of living in Genesee County, even in the midst of being in Flint, God can increase us. Why? So that those around about us can see what's going on. Whether it's just people in the neighborhood or whether it's political officials or people of clout, God wants to get their attention. Now, isn't it easy for famine to get in you, to get in your thinking? How easy is it for us to talk about Flint in a derogatory way, right? I just went to the bank just this past week. We have been renegotiating our contract with them. And uh, one of the things they talk, he says, you know, how's things going? I said, you know what? They're going. We're doing. We're, We're staying above water, praise the Lord, you know? And he says, you know, man, how difficult can it be? He said, you know, here you are in a church trying to minister to people. And he says, you know, GM has their, has their problems. And people are leaving as a result of GM not being here. And then we go through a recession. And things just really falling apart in, in, in Genesee County and Flint. And he said, and then on top of it, he said, if that wasn't bad enough, now we've got this water issue. And how many businesses are hurting as a result of the water? He said, what else do we need in this community? Here's a banker that famine has gotten inside of him. Because he's looking at the drought going round about. But God says, if I'll plant you, I'll instruct you when and how to plant. And I'll cause you to increase. Praise God. And so God's wanting us to get into a position of faith where we're trusting him for the increase. So that once again, his, his fame begins to be acknowledged and recognized. Amen. Amen. In Joshua chapter 17, once again, expressing the heart of God in Joshua chapter 17, concerning the promised land, God said, I'm going to take you to a land of milk and honey where it's uh, uh, abundantly provided for. If you remember anything about the promised land, the, the Canaan land, it was a land of excess. Remember, we said that according to Jesus coming and says that I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. It was a life of excessive living, living above, having more than enough. And that's exactly what we see in the promised land. But as the people began to look at the promised land and the giants that were there and all those that inhabited it, they came to Joshua and they began to complain. And they began to complain because, one, they found themselves being deficient in what they had. And here's what they said to Joshua. They said, we are a great people, meaning many. We are a great people and we're really struggling here. But then Joshua began to turn it around and he said this. He said, you are a great people. And he wasn't responding in numbers. He was responding to them in who they were in God. You are a great people. He says, now go up and take the land. Go possess it. 
So what if they have chariots of iron? You go in and you take it. And that is the heart of faith. Turn in your Bibles to Mark 11. <clears throat> Mark 11, verse 23. Because this is the very fundamental element of what faith is all about. In Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus was speaking to them and he says, disciples, he says, For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. How many of you know that doubt is drought? Doubt is a position of famine. That was just by the Holy Ghost. That was good. Write that down, somebody. Amen. Doubt is drought. It's, it's a place of famine in your heart. It says, but believe those things that you say will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That portion of that last part in verse 24, believe that you receive. The, the Greek translation is actually to say, believe or you take it and you will have it. So in other words, when we're in a position of faith, faith takes the promise of God. But you've got to be able to see it, right? You've got to be able to see it in your heart to be able to have a position of I'm taking it. Because God, you said you've made a covenant with me. And therefore, you confirm your covenant by increasing and multiplying me. Therefore, God, I thank you and I take right now the provision, the increase of God to my life. Because that's who you said you are. Now, once again, I realize this is challenging at times. And I know those there's times that the older that we get, the easier it becomes to just get settled into the way things are. This is life, and this is how it is, and this is how it goes, and this is as good as it's going to get. Let's just ride it out, and let's just hope that it doesn't get any bumpier than it is right now. But God says it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're retired. It doesn't matter what kind of education you have. If you'll purpose to trust God and say, God, your promise says I take it by faith, God says you can have it because you believe for it. And it's just purposing to say, God, your word says I can do it. And we position ourselves in a position of faith to receive from God. Amen. Now we said this concerning just sharing some verses with you that are not redundant, but just simply expressing the heart of God. If you remember in Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So that simply means, okay, if I find myself wanting right now. How do I stir myself up to where I'm not wanting from a position of having a heart of doubt or drought, but saying, God, I believe in your promise because you lead me beside still waters. You lead me to green pastures. You set a table before my enemies and my cup runneth over. Amen. Purposing to trust God and see that. Now, I've got to be real honest with you here. As I said, it's real easy sometimes to just settle into life. And there's been times in my life where that's been the case for me as well. But as I've been purposing to create this curriculum and study for the, the, the Bible college that I teach at and sharing some of these things, and I don't just share this with you tonight or in these last few weeks for the sake of convenience, saying, well, you've already got it prepared, so it just makes it easy to teach. No, I just believe that we need to become those kind of people. And the thing that I began to find, that as I began to study and stir up and be consistently in the Word for this purpose, it started to get back down on the inside of me. 
And as it started to get down on the inside of me, I began to see my faith arise and begin to take some things. And so just within the last month and a half, the last month, there has been some major things turned in our lives. There's been a major turn in my vision. There's been a major turn in my expectation in my heart. There's been a major turn in the things that I can see through the eyes of faith. Why? Because the Word starts becoming alive on the inside. And God is taking us to that wealthy place of wanting us to have more than enough. Amen. So let's continue to see this concerning God's heart for increase. If you remember, just again, for the sake of not taking the time to turn there. We said this before concerning Psalm 23. He said that our cups, or he causes my cup to run over. And we ask the question, doesn't God know when our cup's full? If God desires for us to have our cup running over, that must mean that God's expectation and God's definition of full is different than ours. Ours is, well, if it gets close to the top. Well, if it gets, reaches the brim, God says, no, that's not full yet. Because his full is more than, more than enough, right? So in 2 Kings chapter 4, if you remember, there was a woman with her son. And there was a famine in the land. Everybody say famine. How many of you know you don't have to be stuck in a famine, even though there might be one going on? You can increase in the time of famine. When everything else is going around or going down or going under, your bills can still be paid. Your house can be paid off. Increase can still come. God can bless you beyond the famine in the land. And what does it cause? It causes people to start looking at you. What's going on with you? I just have a great God. Amen. So there was a woman, and she says, there's a famine going on in the land, and we're going to die. And she's speaking to the prophet of God, and the prophet of God says to her, what do you have? Isn't it interesting that whenever we think of ourselves as being in a position of famine, God always asks us, what do you have? Because it requires an action of faith. And she says, all I have is this little bit of oil. And the man of God, which represents the voice of God, said to her, go get some other pots. He says, go to your neighbors and and get as many pots as you can. And so she gets her son involved and she says, go collect all the pots from her neighbors. Get as many as you can. And so they begin to fill the house with pots. And the man of God said to her, start pouring. And so she took the one pot she had and started pouring into the other pots. And it began to fill it. Now think about it for just a moment. If you have all these pots... That the man of God, the voice of God said, fill. But you know you just have one pot and there's not enough in this to fill everything. Think about it. As you got it pouring and it's filled up this container that's bigger than the one that you're holding. You wouldn't even dare to tilt it back up because of fear that it would stop, right? So she's probably pouring and she's saying to her son, okay, we're coming to the top now. Get ready, get ready. Get me another one. Get me. All right. And you make the transition to fill up the next pot, right? And she did that. Her and her son filled every pot that they collected until they came to the last. And then the oil stopped. Let me ask you the question. What, is it, what was it that stopped the cruise of oil? 
What was it that stopped the outpouring or the provision of the oil? It was her ability to receive. Amen? I said the pouring out, the provision stopped when she lost the ability to receive anymore. And that's where many believers are. They don't believe that God wants to do. They don't believe that they're justified in receiving. They don't believe that they're qualified. They don't believe they have the faith for. They don't believe that God wants to do it for them. They don't believe, and therefore, because they don't have the ability to believe to receive, God cannot force His hand of provision in our lives. So, man, I want to position myself where I have greater expectation. God, keep pouring. It seems like it's full to me, but I know your full is a lot different than mine. So keep pouring and let me continue to have the ability to receive your provision, your outpouring in my life. Amen. God wants to continue to increase us as long as we're willing to receive. Are you willing tonight? How many of you know that God's ability is bigger than your expectation? And he says that I want to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or even think. Turn in your Bibles to Luke 5. Luke chapter 5. Say no drought. No doubt. Amen. Luke chapter 5. Let's look at this in verse or beginning in verse 1. It says, So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret. Verse 2, And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, with which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. I'll stop there for a moment. So Jesus is ministering on the edge of the sea here. He's got a multitude of people. There's literally thousands of people that are there listening to Jesus. And Simon and his partners are washing their nets. They had been toiling all night long, didn't catch anything. And he sees Jesus get into his boat. He says, hey, do you mind pushing me out a little bit? Now, he's seeing Jesus, and he's like, man, this dude has something going on because, man, there is a lot of people following Jesus. And he's, he's within earshot to be able to hear the things that Jesus is teaching and talking about. And so, therefore, he's probably thinking, man... I like this guy, and I like what he's saying. And obviously, there's a lot of people that are liking him as well, and he's in my boat. And then Jesus asks him something different. He says, hey, listen. He says, I'm done ministering now. He said, why don't we go out a little ways? And he says, why don't you let down your net? So, Peter, he says, well, preacher man, he said, you know, I've been fishing all night long. And he says, I've not caught anything. But man, I can tell you're a popular fella. And so, you know, at your word, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do exactly what you said. And they went out and did that very thing. Let's pick up where it says, or what's said after that. 
He says, so at your word, he says, I'll let down the net. Verse 6, it says, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both their boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Verse 9 says, And he he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch that they had taken. And the Bible says that from that day on, they followed Jesus. So Jesus says, Will you listen? Will you listen to me? It'll cost you something. It might be something that goes beyond your natural thinking that don't make sense. But nevertheless, the act of faith begins to put some things in motion. Peter's out there and God starts to move and the net that he threw, there is such a catch that the net is breaking. My question is, is, didn't God know how many fish could fill that net? Comfortably, but there were so many fish that it began to break the net. And there were so many fish that Peter called his partners to come. And it says that when they got there, it says their nets began to become so full that it started to sink both their boats. Doesn't God know how many fish can fill the boats without sinking it? Sure he does. But he's an excessive God. I said he's a God of excess. His full, his measure is bigger than ours. He's a net-breaking, ship-sinking God. Amen. You've got to be careful. You might swear in the midst of saying all those. <laughs> I said he is a net-breaking, ship-sinking God. If we'll just simply step out and say, God, at your word, I'll obey you. But did you notice What the abundance created, it caused Peter to fall down and repent. God, I'm sinful. Depart from me because I'm standing in the midst of a holy, holy man. I'm standing in the midst of the Son of God. Why does God want you to increase? Is it so that you can live high in the hog and this is where we get into air? God wants us in excess, not air. Why? Because excess, the way that God designed it, is for our lives to shine forth the glory of God, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, so that men would turn from their wicked ways and turn to the God that we serve. Because that's how good He is. Amen? Let me give you one last scripture before we close tonight. Well, in fact, in Luke chapter 5, as it's talking about the nets breaking and the ships sinking, it goes on to say in the very next chapter, in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says that God is the God that is of good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall man, shall God cause men to pour into your life. And then John chapter 12, or excuse me, John chapter 6, rather, this is the story of the feeding of the multitude. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 6. Let's read it. 
or at least a portion of it. Luke chapter 6. It says, after this, or after these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, with the, uh, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude following him, became, because they saw his signs, which he performed in those who were, who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing the great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip... Where shall we buy bread that these might eat? Verse 6. But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. This is the story of the little boy that basically had a lunch of bread and fish. And it's the miracle of the multiplying of the fish and the loaves. Remember the story? But the interesting thing that we see here is that Jesus said to Philip, he says, where can we go buy food? And he said, he asked this question to Philip, testing him, for he already knew what he was going to do. What was the test? The test was in the response. The test was to see how Philip would respond to his question. What can we do here? And here's the thing. Jesus, or I should say God, does not expect us to know all the answers. But what he does expect is he expects our response to be a response of faith. God, God expects our response to be one of faith. Because he already knew what he was going to do. When it comes to God taking care of our lives, when it comes to God taking care of our needs, you might say, God, I don't know how this is ever going to work out. I don't know how we're going to make ends meet. I don't know how you're going to fix this. It isn't up to you to know how to do it. It's up to us to respond in faith and simply saying, God, you said, and I take it by faith. Amen. When we take it, It gives God the opportunity to multiply unto us. And God wants us to begin to have a greater expectation of his moving in our lives. As I said from the very beginning of the service tonight. God doesn't want us just to be looking to him as being the piggy bank. He wants us to look to him to be the source of our life in every element. To be the one that gives us wisdom as a mom and a dad. To give us peace in our home. For he is the Prince of Peace. He wants us to trust him for the presence of God and the anointing of God to be in our lives. So that we come in contact with somebody. We're sensitive to say, God, what do you want me to say? Do you want me to say anything? And you just might be surprised that God starts to speak to you concerning their lives. And you begin to read their mail. Is he causing you to have the ability to... To, to, to give them a, a reading. No that's not what it is. It's the supernatural hand of God. For you to be able to begin to minister to people. To lead them to the goodness. Of the God that we serve. And when it comes to your life. 
God wants you to be abundantly provided for. I don't know about you, but I'm always desiring to go up to the next level. You know, in our society, there's the upper class, middle class, and lower class. In every class of people, there's got to be people there to minister to them, right? There's got to be somebody to tell them about Jesus. Well, it might be the five-star restaurant. It might be the meal that costs $100. It might be the people that are whining and dining and living high on the hog, but there's still people that need Jesus. And somebody needs to be in their realm of influence to be able to minister to them. So why not you? Maybe it's the upper class, middle class, lower class. What's your heart's desire? Because God needs you to be a witness for Him. Amen? Now here's how we're going to close tonight. We're going to just simply take up the offering right now. And as we do, I just want us to be able to extend a heart of faith. God, I thank you that you're faithful. God, I thank you that you're multiplying and increasing our lives. And as we do it, not giving out of obligation, not giving out of necessity, but when we purpose to give, big, small, or in between, we do it with faith, saying, God, you said, if I bring in a tithe, if you bring in an offering, as I sow my seed, you will multiply the seed and increase my life. So let's do that tonight. Amen. I'm going to pray over our offering tonight. And I want you to expect God to increase your life. Begin to look for it. Begin to expect it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone that's here tonight. For God, it's not by accident, but it's by design that who's here tonight is here. God, I thank you that, Lord, you not only spoke to our our personality, naturally speaking, but you also spoke to the ears of our spirit, man. And I thank you that, Father, even when our natural man might be saying it's hard to digest, it's hard to understand, there's something about our spirit, man, that's excited and is beginning to stir and beginning to just percolate on the inside to, to think of our God being as good as he said he is, that he wants to multiply us, that he wants to increase us, that he wants us to live better, that he wants us to expect more of the God that we serve. So God, right now, as we give tonight, as we give into this offering, as we give of our tithe or just a matter of sowing seed into the ministry, God, I thank you that you take that seed, you take that offering, and you multiply it. That you'll cause it to be having good measure. That it will be pressed down, that it will be shaken together, and that, God, it will be running over. And you'll begin to cause men to give back into our lives. So God, we thank you that there is promotion. We thank you that there's increase. We thank you that there's checks in the mail that are coming. We thank you, Father, that there's discounts. We thank you that there are rebates. There are gifts and surprises. In Jesus' name, we call them forth now. We expect to see them in our lives because, God, you said you would multiply it. And you would do it to express and confirm your covenant and promise with us. In Jesus' name, amen.
subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.